there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. God sees something very different than what we see during whatever season. God has a different perspective of you than you have of you. How many are grateful for that, right? I don't think we ever can grasp the the fullness of his love for us. And I think during the holidays, we get a glimpse of that. We get a glimpse of his love. We get a glimpse of hope. But my prayer this morning is that you wouldn't get a glimpse of none of those things. I pray you would catch the full ray of God's grace for you, of God's love for you. Because no matter what situation you find yourself in today, I want you to know something. He's willing to exchange any hurt you have for healing. As we continue in this series, the great exchange, we realize one thing is for sure is that God created an opportunity for us to exchange what we see, what we feel, what we know for what he sees and knows. And I... I'll tell you one thing, what he sees and knows is a lot better than what I see and know. Yeah? Last week we talked a little bit about how we exchange, sometimes we exchange certain things uh, in our lives. And I talked to you a little bit about how uh, when I was a kid I made exchanges with baseball cards. And some of you did exchanges in your life where you, some of them were great ones and others of them were uh, not so great. Right? We've all done an exchange that we were probably a little... Not too crazy about, I could have done a better move there. I could have done a, a better exchange, made a better decision. But last week we talked about exchanging our worry and that he would give us peace, right? That was a great exchange. I think that's a great exchange. If we give him worry, he gives us peace. That's a great exchange. I'm going to agree. Well, this morning I want to follow up with that to tell you that if we give him our hurt, he's willing to give us healing. And that, my friend, is a great, great exchange. What I found interesting was um, sometimes you have one of those days. How many ever have one of those days where you're like, this day can't be over quick enough? Yeah? Some of you are laughing a little too much right now. Like, you have no idea, Pastor Tony. Some of you are like, I didn't have a bad day. I had a bad week. Like, since you last seen me, I'm a different person today. Well, sometimes we have one of those days, right? And insurance companies sure have heard one or two things that are pretty funny. And I wanted to share a few with you. Can I do that right now? Insurance company, I'm sure have heard just about everything you could hear. So I thought I'd give you the highlight of my version of the 15 best insurance claims that I thought was worth mentioning here on a Sunday morning. You with me? If you with me, say I'm with you. So here we go. Let's take an example for these accident reports on insurance claims. Take, for instance, one person that wrote, in an attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. That's a bad trade-off, yes? Dead fly, broken car. That's a bad exchange, right? A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. I'm pretty sure you hit them. Just going to throw that out there. 
An invisible car came out of nowhere and struck my front end and vanished. An invisible car, really? I didn't think that someone wrote this. I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. <laughs> what? The fine print. You got to read the fine print, Brett. You got to watch that fine print. It's very important. Someone else wrote, I am sure the old fellow would never make it to the other side of the road when I struck him. No, because you struck him. Right? Someone else wrote, coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. <laughs> Driving into the wrong house probably had a lot to do with that one. Someone else wrote, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. You shouldn't be driving for 40 years. You should take a nap at some point. The other, another person wrote, the accident was caused by me waving at the man I hit last week. You hit someone last week too? <laughs> this is getting interesting. Someone else wrote, the car in front of me stopped for a yellow light, so I had no choice but to hit him. <laughs> he deserved it. The nerve of him to stop. That, wasn't, that last part wasn't in there. That was my own. Someone else wrote, the indirect cause of the accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. Someone wrote, leaving home for work, I drove, out, I drove out of my driveway straight into a bus. But the bus was five minutes early. <laughs> In my defense, the bus was early. So that's not my fault. The car was legally parked as I backed into the other vehicle. My car was legally parked as I backed into the other vehicle. Not right. Not right. The pedestrian had no idea which way to run, so I ran over him. <laughs> See? You hesitate. You pay the penalty. You don't know where to go? Well, I know where to send you. Don't laugh. That's not funny, guys. You're rude. That poor person. Your indiscretion has caused you great pain. Whoa, stop, man. You're killing me right now. To avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front, I struck the pedestrian, someone else wrote. We're all about hitting people, I guess. I don't know. A few more. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> Mother-in-laws can do that to some. That's just... Don't laugh. You're going to spend Christmas with them. <laughs> Are you ready for the last one? Say yeah. yeah. If you're ready for the last one, say yeah. yeah. The pedestrian ran for the pavement, but I got him. <laughs> what is this going That sucker was fast, but I got him.
that's just a few of a lot that I read. I, I can only give you the best of the best here, but seriously, we've got some problems. People don't know where to go. I know where to send them. People just getting struck. But seriously, you know, sometimes you could have one of those weeks that just mess you up. And I want you to know that whatever it is you walked in with this morning, look at me, whatever it is you walked in with this morning, first of all, you could smile. I just seen it happen. All right? You could smile. Because the glory of God is available to every person in this room. I want you to know he loves you deeply. And so when we find ourselves in this Christmas season, some of us have very different views of what we see. Some of us experience pain because something happened a few years ago that you really can't get past. Something happened this year, and this is maybe your first Christmas without this person or that person. Maybe this is the first Christmas since retirement or first Christmas since this, that, and the other, and Holidays don't mean the same because they are tied to something that deals with hurt. Can I tell you something? You could hand that, exchange that this morning. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to give you that opportunity here this morning to do that. And I want you to hold on to this card that you were handed on the way in. If you weren't given one, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you one. Um, it says, my great exchange. And I want you to know something. This, this great exchange that I'm going to ask you to give here this morning, I want you to be mindful of this card right here. Because this morning, I'm going to ask you to be willing to give that, give that to him this morning in a great exchange. I'm going to give you this. And you will give me healing because he promised to do that. I would say that the apostle Paul had some pretty bad days. Would you say that? If you've ever read the scriptures, how many ever read the scriptures and said, man, that brother had a bad day on multiple occasions, right? If you don't know what a bad day looks like, if you don't know what a bad situation looks like, allow me to enlighten you if you would. Second Corinthians, turn there with me in your Bibles right now. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter uh, 11. And we're going to begin reading in verse 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Talking about bad days, the apostle Paul writes this. And he has no problem saying this because he's Paul. And he was assertive. He says, I have worked harder and been put in prison more often and have been whipped times without number um, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Listen, when you get stoned in the New Testament, Usually you don't even survive that. And he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And once I spent the whole night and the day adrift at the sea. That's floating out in the middle of nowhere with no direction. He goes on in verse 26. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers and I have faced danger from my own people even the Jews as well as the Gentiles 
I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Can I tell you, can I just stop for a moment? That that statement right there in this, in this world that we live in right there would be judgmental. But Paul clearly says it. Paul clearly says that I have, I have, been, ju- I have been judged by people who, are, who say they're believers but they're not. Oh, if we say that nowadays, it's, oh, well, how, how dare you judge me and say I'm not a believer. You know, what judges, you know what he's judging by? Fruit. And that's what we judge each other by. I get tired of hearing people, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. That's right. God is the ultimate judge. Absolutely. But you know what? We are to keep each other accountable. And Paul says it right here. I was persecuted. And it was by people that called themselves believers. Guess what? Believers hurt people too. Yeah? And I face danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Verse 27, I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. And I've been hungry and thirsty and have uh, often gone without food. And I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. This is Paul the Apostle. If you're talking about Hall of Fame, right there, Hall of Fame. Unanimous. Killer of Christians turn all-star Christian, right? Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Here's a man that killed believers, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because God chose him to do so. What's your excuse? Why do you feel like God hasn't chose you? I believe God has chosen me for something great. Has he chosen you for something great? I believe he has. But it's very difficult to feel like we are being used by God or can be used by God when we're walking around with so much hurt that we can't get past that. There's some people that are absolutely debilitated by their hurt. They can never function because they're so focused on their hurt. And he wrote about it in the beginning of the second letter. How did he get past all these tribulations? Friends, can you say that your life matches that? I don't, I don't know. I haven't been whipped five times, 39 times. I've never been shipwrecked. I've never been adrift in the sea. I've never been stoned or beaten with rods. I've, that's never happened to me. Well, the rods that one time, I don't want to talk about it. But I've never been in those situations, right? And most of us have not been in those situations, but we have our own tribulations, and I'm not trying to downplay your pain by any stretch. What I am trying to say is he persevered. I heard it said this week and I saw it, um, I am depressed. If you switch the letters around, you can say I pressed on. Use the same letters. I pressed on. And so you can choose to live depressed or you can choose to press on. And no matter what you do in your life, one of the benefits that Paul used was writing letters. And for some of you, writing is a way of escape. For Paul, that was one way of him communicating. In fact, it was pretty much the only way. He he didn't really have a smartphone. So he wasn't on Facebook Live. Yeah, I'm reporting live from the prison here. (laughs) I got my boy Silas with me. 
Say hi, Silas. Oh, you're busy singing. All right. You know what I'm talking about? Like he wasn't going Facebook Live. He wasn't doing those. He wasn't. He was able to communicate through letters, and so he wrote these letters out of his heart. He poured out his heart, and he said, "You have no idea what I've been through." Let me tell you. If you think you've been through something, let me tell you what I've been through. Now, he didn't write that for a pity party. Guess what? He wrote that to let them know you can get through whatever it is you're going through. I don't know about you, but when I read all this, my week seemed a lot better. How many, how many could look at this and go, you know what? I had a rough week, but probably wasn't that. Probably wasn't that. But what was, what was it that made Paul still able to do what he was able to do and, and follow God the way he wanted to follow God? How could you give God that much hurt? And live healed. How? Well, he talked a little bit about that because one of the ways that he he was able to do that is when he's able to focus on the promise rather than the problem. Are you with me? Y'all really quiet this morning. You hear me? Second Corinthians, if you have your Bibles turned there, just a few chapters backward, and he talked a little bit about that on the front end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 7. And he writes this. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that when we can be comforting to others. Interesting. Did you hear that? That your pain can bring comfort to others? For some of us, we don't think about that. We think, what did God do to me? What did the world do to me? Whatever happened, happened. Whatever is happening, is happening. But guess what? I can take whatever pain I'm going through in my life, and I can turn it around for the glory of God. I can. You say, well, Pastor Tony, nothing good comes from that. Well, the cross was pretty bad, and a lot of great things came from that. Yes? How many are grateful for the cross? You grateful for the cross? A lot of great things have happened from the cross. In fact, that, that cross was for all of us. So he tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 there in verse 4, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can what? Bask in that comfort? So that we can hold it to ourselves? So we can put it on a post? Well, he he gives us the comfort so we can comfort others. So here's what he goes on to say. In in verse uh, verse 4, he goes on in the second part of that verse, he says this. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So how many of you want blessings? Be very careful you raise your hand right now. Did you hear what I just read? Some of you were like, whoa, wait, time out. Uh, can I get back to you on that? Because I just read, for, the, for we suffer for Christ, the more, we shower, the more God showers us, the more we comfort others for Christ. So if we, want, we get blessings, God is calling us to turn that blessings and turn the table because guess what? That blessing has an expiration date in our lives. But guess what? The moment you hand that off, somebody else will have it. Think about it like that. 
There are times that God has blessed you with something and after like a few weeks, a few months, that thing that you thought was a blessing is now old and it's no longer fresh or new to you. Can I tell you something? It doesn't change what it was, does it? It never changes what it is. It still is what it is. Right? And I realized that every blessing that I have that God has given me That has an expiration date to some degree for me. But if I hand that thing off to someone, it's like brand new again. That doesn't that encourage you that when you give to others, that whatever it is that God gives you, you can turn around and give to somebody else and go, wow, I love it. I recently gave a gift to someone and I said, open it. I'd love to see it. I love to see people's faces open gifts. I just, it's part of me. Listen, I would rather have a hundred gifts to give out than receive. Some of you are like, no, I, give me the gifts. I'll just take that, please. Listen, that doesn't mean I don't like gifts. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But when you have something and you give it to someone, that joy means a lot to me. When you have something that's worth sharing and you share that, that it's almost like the expiration date resets and it continues to be another thing. There's a movie some time ago called Pay It Forward and the concept of the movie, and I'm not promoting any movies, but... The concept was fabulous. Do for three people something they cannot do for themselves. And those three people will then each go and do three things for others that they cannot do for themselves. Can you imagine how this world would change if we decided to do that for one month? Think about that. Think about what 2020 would look like if Freedom Life does something for someone that they can't do for themselves and everyone finds three people and those three people find three others and those, those, those people find three others, each one. And can you imagine what our community would look like? How much joy, how much blessing would happen? Why? Because we turn back the expiration date. Look at me. I want you to understand something. The exchange rate on this is amazing. Because God renews that joy in you and gives it to somebody else as well. So you literally double the joy in your life. He goes on to say this. Paul says this, verses 6 and 7, the last two verses here I'm going to read for this text. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. Friends, your hurt has a positive side of it, and you don't see it. I know, friend, I'm not telling you that God did this either, but I'm telling you God can work things out for the good. I'm telling you that God can work things out for the good. You can exchange, and the exchange rate is amazing. The exchange rate is amazing. I remember years ago, my wife and I went with the team to Venezuela, and the exchange rate on the dollar, the U.S. dollar versus Bolivars, were at that point, I believe it was seven to one. Seven Bolivars to one. So when I exchanged $10, I got 70 Bolivars, and I was able to buy a lot of stuff with just a few bucks. Guess what? 
as wonderful as that is, the exchange rate for believers and the blessing is far greater. Are you with me? Say amen. I want you to hear what I'm saying because when we're talking about the great exchange, we're talking about how, how God exchanged uh, heaven's throne for a manger scene. And we look at the exchange there, we think, wow, wasn't that enough? And that is enough. But guess what? He goes even a step further to go from the manger to you and he says, give me your hurt and I'll give you healing. That, my friends, is a great exchange. Amen? God bless you. He goes on to say this. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. For we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in the comfort God gives us. So let me give you two big exchanges when you feel overwhelmed. Are you ready for this? If you're taking notes, write this down. Two big exchanges when you're overwhelmed. This is what we exchange. Number one, if you give your problems to God, he'll give you comfort. That's his promise. Paul speaks of God with a sort of title or nickname. He says he's the God of all comfort. That's a great title, by the way. Because it's not so self-indulgent. He's all-powerful, yet he's looking out for his people, those that follow him, those that call him Lord. Nahum writes this, because we're talking about the God of all comfort, right? Paul says God is the com- God is comforts us all in our troubles, and if that's a general, troubles is a general word for the word affliction, annoyance, or inconvenient. Are you with me? Troubles is, the, is a general term in the original text for affliction, annoyance, and inconvenience. Nahum writes this, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, a refuge on the day of distress, taking care of those who look to him for protection when the flood rages. Hello? He's the one that takes care of us when the flood rages. What is that flood? What is he talking about? When we feel overwhelmed. You ever felt flooded by problems? You ever felt flooded by things and it just feels like it engulfs you, it just takes you over and you're going, can I take anything more? Guess what? His peace is built to overwhelm the overwhelmed. And that's a lot of overwhelming. When you feel overwhelmed by life, his peace is supposed to cover that. That's a big kind of peace. And it takes a great God to do that. So that's his promise to all of us, that if we give our, prom- our problems to God, he'll give us comfort. Second Corinthians goes even a step further, and it says this, we are afflicted in every way, but not constrained or perplexed, but not driven in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. None of the problems you face today, none of them are too small for God to care about. None of them are too big for him to handle. God is the God of all comfort. Number two, here's a simple thought. Two points, here it is. Number two, when God gives you comfort, you can give comfort to others. Do you see the chain reaction here? 
We give God our problems. He gives us comfort. We then take that comfort when we give that uh, and we offer and people are going through problems. We can take that comfort and comfort others. Every time you walk through troubles and trust God through them, it makes it easier for you to face that struggle next time. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been through the same struggle multiple times, and every time you, you get a better handle of it. Does that mean it always feels great? No. It probably still stinks every time. But you are getting an understanding as to the ability to get through that. Every time you walk through troubles, I want you to know something. You can make great results happen in your life. If you want to know what comforting someone looks like, just take a look at the life of Jesus. We can go on and on with the list of people that Jesus comforted when they were not being comforted by others. Is that true? How many can think of a few? A few people, right? Well, let me just kind of throw this out to you, the ministry of Jesus, right? Jesus Ministries Incorporated. This is what happened. When Jesus was doing ministry, Jesus comforted the outcast. Watch this. Jesus comforts the outcast and Jesus comforted the tax collectors. Jesus comforted the lepers. Jesus comforted the demon possessed, the woman caught in adultery, the dying children, dying soldiers, even the closest of friends like Lazarus. Do you remember when he wrote, went over to Lazarus' grave? You notice how he wept in front of Lazarus' grave right before he resurrected him? Look at me. Why would God weep when he's about to resurrect the very person he loves? Think about that for a moment, right? If someone came to you and said, I have no way of feeding my family. I have no way of putting food on the plate and have three little babies at home that I need to feed. And you know you were about to give them a check for $5,000 in your pocket. And you were on your way to see them. And, you, and they opened the door and they came, you, you came into their house and you sat with them. And then you said, what's wrong? You okay? And they said, yeah, I just, I've been struggling. I, no food. I lost my job this week. Put yourself in this position. I, I lost my job this week. And now, I got no food for my kids. And in your pocket is $5,000. Think for a moment. Would that be a moment that you felt like you heard right? <laughs> this is what I was supposed to do. But would that take away from the element of the pain that person's feeling at that very moment? Jesus, listen, people, people wonder why would Jesus, cry? can I tell you why? Because people were in pain and Jesus cared about how people felt. Look at me, he cared about their feelings. He cared about their hurts, the tears streaming down their face. You ever watch something, and, and, and whether it's a show, guys, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever watch the show that got you? I, got, I became a real softy the moment I had my first child. 
I'm not, I can neither confirm nor deny that I cried even during commercials. Whether they were Hallmark or not, something got me. I'd be sitting there and I'm going, what? what's wrong? I sprung a leak. Something inside me got real broken in a good way. Back to the scenario. You're sitting in that living room and that person's telling you that they can't feed their family. Are you touched? Or will you say, hey, get over it. I got something for you. No, that person feels pain and you wouldn't do that. At least I hope to God you wouldn't. Right? I hope you'll be able to look at them and say, friend, I love you and I'm so sorry you've been through this. And I'm so glad I'm here because I want to give you something. This right here is a check for you and your family. No strings attached. Here. Feed your family. Get up to speed with all your bills. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. Now, you ask me again why Jesus would cry at the tomb. Why would he cry? Because Jesus is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus is touched by the smallest of things to the largest of things. He's touched by things. I venture off to say this. Jesus has more feelings than most of us think he does. Because most of us think that he sits on the throne and he's shooting lightning bolts and he's like, I'm coming back. Get ready. Because you, you're not right. You need to get right with me. You, I see what you did last week. You, I know what you said to that guy who cut you off. And we look at that and we think God is sitting there just judging us. Guess what? You know what God is really doing? Look at me for a moment as Caleb comes. One of the things, you know what I realize he's doing? Look at me. You know what he's doing? He's sitting in your living room with a figurative check in his pocket ready to resurrect your life. Are you hearing me? Because I know one thing is for sure. Whatever you give him, He'll give you something better. I realize that no matter what it is, if you decide this day that you're going to exchange something for something better, I ask you to take these things out right now and hold on to it as I pray. Because I want us to pray together for what God is about to do in your hearts all across this room. I told you earlier I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to do that right now here on this wonderful Christmas uh, season of people exchanging gifts and all these things. Guess what? God has an exchange for you. Everyone across this room and everyone listening to my voice right now, just bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you take the most painful hurts in this room to the smallest of nuisances. God, I'm asking you today, heal those that are hurting, those that are broken, those that feel like they don't know where to turn anymore. God, I'm asking you for those that are dealing with addictions, 
those that are dealing with pain from marital issues, those that are dealing with struggles within themselves, struggles at work, struggles at school, struggles with money, struggles with bills, struggles with coworkers and family members, and this holiday season is less than great because of whatever happened this year or years ago. I'm asking you to give a great exchange today. As these people exchange their lives to you, would you take a moment, God, and resurrect in them that joy that can be available to each and every one of them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to cut that feed, and I'm going to ask you right now for a moment to just be able to respond in-house here today. I'm going to ask you to grab that sheet of paper right now. And we're going to throw that slide up that says the great, my great exchange or whatever that slide says there. I'm going to ask you to take a moment. At the end of your rows, there's pens in these baskets. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Lisa, would you come and, 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 and share a song with us here? And I'm going to ask you to write down something you're willing to give him. And when you do, just... I'm going to ask you to step up out of your seat. I'm going to close in five minutes, max. I'm going to close. In that five minutes, whether you bring something or not, I'm going to close. You hear me? I want you to bring whatever it is you want to give him. I'm going to ask you to exchange whatever pain you have. Bring that to the altar and lay it right here. And don't just lay it and walk away. Lay it and say, God, I want to receive what you have for me. And I challenge you right now to come bring whatever hurts you have, whatever it is, come bring it to him. And in exchange, receive and ask God to give you the healing you need, the peace you need, the joy you need. Lay down your great exchange today. Come on, do that right now. As my wife sings in this song here, would you just take a moment, write down whatever it is you want to exchange, lay it at the altar, and just give it up to him right now. And we will close in a united effort here in just a few moments. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. Open my eyes, then Bring it to him right now. 
Father, we realize that the greatest exchange happened when we gave our sin and you gave us salvation. That was an amazing exchange that we could not do ourselves. We could not make that deal. I pray, God, that you would allow us to exchange our hurt for healing today. I pray for every person at the sound of my voice that needs to know about that healing today that they would receive that healing because hurt people hurt people and we don't want a re reoccurring pain for others we want to live in wholeness not hurt so I'm asking you that you would make whole the hurt and make heal the broken Father from the biggest of things to the smallest of situations. All of them matter to you because you're standing at the grave site of our most painful moments. Those things that seem dead to us. Those things that seem unbelievably impossible to us. They are possible with you. They are possible with you. So today, oh God, 
we hand you our great exchange. And I lay it at your feet saying, God, this is mine. Take it and give me what you have for me. Come on, if you're able to do that, lift your hands and say, I receive right now. Come on, just receive that love right now all across this room. Say, I receive it right now. Come on, all across this room. I receive it. Come on, from the front to the back, east to west. Come on, everyone in this room. Say, I receive your blessings now. God, you stood at Lazarus' tombs and you were touched. Lord, I know that there's people in this room that are broken and hurt, but you just touched them too. Thank you for your love and your grace that's readily available to all of us. And we're humbled that you chose us. You died for us. We love you for that. We worship you because you're God. But we truly love you because awesome came from that cross. Awesome came from the healing from that cross. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.